0: Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs Podcast. This is episode number 264, which we are recording on Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022. I'm
1: Gail. And I'm Charlene. And what are you wearing today? Well, what I have been wearing is my Ellery sweater by Elizabeth Doherty. Ellery is a circular yoke pullover with slip stitch patterns on the yoke. And I knit mine in a combination of a smooth fingering yarn and a fuzzy mohair yarn, which, (laughs) looking back on it, I always smile because I always say, well, it probably wasn't the best choice of yarn to show off slip stitch patterns. But because I like the sweater so much, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Yeah, it's, the fuzzy mohair doesn't show off the slip stitch patterns. Like for slip stitch patterns, you probably want a nice, smooth, round yarn, technically. But I often go rogue and use a yarn that I am happy with, (laughs) and I did, and as a result, I wear this sweater all the time. (laughs) So So you win. You went rogue and you win. I I feel like I do win, yes. Plus, I used the Merino 17 from Western Sky Knits, which is super soft. Yeah, so it has been very, very windy in these parts this week. And that sweater kept me very warm. So that is Ellery by Elizabeth Doherty. What are you wearing, Gail? I am wearing my unbearable
0: knot hoodie because it's the unbearable hoodie, but I didn't knit a hood, and it's by the designers Les Garcons, which is a duo in Canada, and I love this sweater. Like Charlene said, it's it's so cute. cute. (laughs) Uh, It has a bear motif as a colorwork design in a top-down circular yoke sweater, and this is the one that I've knit the matching hats for my grandchildren. And if they were pullover sweaters, I would have knit them sweaters as well. But (laughs) Alex is pretty much a cardigan person for the kids. But this one is designed for DK weight yarn. And I used fingering held double to get that gauge. And it has been very chilly and very windy for us, which is nice because it is still winter and we finally got a little bit of rain, which was desperately needed And I will happily
1: take cold weather because that means we get to wear our hand knits. Well, it's interesting because I think about now in the month of February is when normally Stitches West would happen when it happened in San Jose. And it's not happening in San Jose this year, but in the past, often during the week of Stitches, is the week that we get these cold temperatures. And for some strange reason, there have been about three stitches west I remember driving over the hill in snow. So it's very odd. We often get this one week in February of super cold weather. And the only reason I know is because of driving over the hill when there is either snow on the ground or light snow coming down because it doesn't really snow here as compared to other snowy places it's it's usually a freak event so (laughs) a light dusting
0: usually only at the top of the hill that we have to get over between santa cruz and the silicon valley which is where stitches used to be held so yes no stitches in santa clara this year and we're not going to stitches this year anyway so we are not we yep, are not. We're skipping. Yeah. But the cold weather has also been great because I've been wearing hand nets every day. You know, my goal was to wear one every day during winter, but our weather was in the 70s and 80s some (laughs) days. So I was not wearing hand knits on those days. But right now I have my via around my neck because my closet is cold. Mm -hmm. And I would gladly be wearing mitts if they were here available in my closet because my hands are in my pockets because
1: they're (laughs) cold. Yeah, we were discussing that Hmm, we haven't really worn mitts all winter, but Now, all of a sudden, we could use them for recording. (laughs) Yeah, strangely enough, (laughs) indoor recording. Yes.
0: So that's what we're wearing. All right, what have you been stalking? And before we start talking about stalking, I had an interesting question asked from me in a Ravelry email. Someone asked, what does stalking mean? And she spelled it S-T-O-C-K-I-N-G. And it reminded me that not everybody who listens to the podcast is familiar with our terminology. So what we mean is stalking, spelled S-T-A-L-K-I-N-G, which is normally not a nice thing. Nobody likes a stalker. But in this (laughs) case, we mean we're stalking patterns and or yarns and or designs or a category of designs, usually on Ravelry. So that means that we're out there clicking on pictures and clicking on projects and stalking them on Ravelry to see what we might want to knit.
1: Interesting. We should remember to explain that every once in a while because yeah. some of our listeners English is a second language for them as well. The,
0: yep, exactly. So lots of reasons to remind people of our terminology or <laughs> or teach them our terminology if they've never heard it. So there you go, that's stalking. And what are you stalking?
1: So someone in one of our one of the threads in our Ravelry group, pointed out a new Noragon pullover to me that has unusual construction. And the pullover is actually part of a collection and earlier in the day, I had noted another pattern from the same collection called, well, the collection is called Knit, Fold, Pleat, Repeat. (laughs) Yeah. And there's little information on the pattern pages and no information on the collection page. So I don't know anything about the collection and most of the garments have very, very minimal information. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's because they're new, maybe it just hasn't been, maybe the information hasn't been completed, which I hope is, the case because the jacket that I was looking at called rib jacket only has one photograph on the pattern page which I would never choose to make a garment where I can't see for example the sides or I can't see the back at all this pattern just has a front view photo and the woman has her arms crossed. Across her front as well, so while there's that little peak of the garment and enough to pique my interest, because, like I said, I am stocking it. It's not enough at this point; it would not the photos would not convince me to go out and purchase yarn and knit it
0: well, and that's odd because Nora Gon is such a seasoned designer. You would think that she would have a thorough description and a lot of pictures. So that's well, that's why I'm
1: thinking maybe it's because it's new. It's only been on Ravelry a couple of days, so I'm hoping that it will get filled in eventually. And so this jacket, how do I describe it? Since you can only see like a little bit, but the keywords that are on the pattern page say three-quarter sleeve. Oversized, rectangle, ribbed, seamed, and the two-line description says, Is the rib jacket a poncho with sleeves or a very oversized cardigan made entirely of rectangles? So, you can see that it's got a little bit of a split collar. It's got a traditional fold-over collar that goes behind the neck. And then there's a a little split in the collar, and then you see lapels come down the front. You can see ribbing all over the garment. You can see what looks like a three-needle bind-off going down the sleeves, and it looks like it's probably some sort of drop-shoulder construction because it is oversized in that in that way that makes me think that's probably what it is. So that's the only description. There isn't yarn requirements. Or for the yarn that she used, she has the number of skeins that you need. But there isn't yardage requirements there either. That's frustrating too. It is, I guess. Yeah, it is. But like I said, it did caught my eye a little bit. The pattern comes in sizes ranging from... 30 inches to 62 inches, which is 76 centimeters to 157 centimeters. centimeter measurement's also not on the pattern page. It looks like it has a fair bit of ease. So it looks like those sizes might be rather fluid, like you could choose something that's oversized or choose something that's more fitted. And it's knit in worsted weight yarn. So that is Rib Jacket by Nara Gon. And like I said, it's part of the Knit, Fold, Pleat, Repeat collection, which I know nothing about. There's no description. (laughs) Unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. The second thing I am stocking is a pattern by Hohe Locatelli. I am looking at Let's see, it's... Oh, I didn't even write down the pattern name in my show notes. Always there, I think. I wrote v cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: an accurate description. <laughs>
1: it's called Always There, like Gail mentioned. And this cardigan reminds me of one of my favorite cardigans, which is her Magnolia cardigan. It's a similar style. usually. I don't choose V-necks and the Magnolia cardigan is a V-neck and I find that I wear it, even though it's a cardigan, I wear it almost as a pullover most of the time with the deep V. Actually, the V is not as deep as always there, but it's got a, a deep V and I just pull it over my t-shirts and wear it that way so almost a cardigan and this one with the drop sleeves is very similarly shaped so this one is knit let's see as one piece top down the thing that I really like about this one is the texture it's got alternating textural stripes that look like stockinette and then a section of ribbing, and then a section of stockinette, and a section of ribbing. And it looks like it's the same texture that is used in her long summer cardigan. This one doesn't have the colored stripes, but only uses the texture. So if you know what that one looks like, you kind of have a clue what this one will look like. And this one is a solid color, and it's also made in a gorgeous pink beautiful color yeah i think (laughs) she released it on valentine's day so the pink was very suitable and it just looks like something that i would probably wear quite a bit the sizes for this one range from 44 inches to 76 inches 110 centimeters to 190 centimeters and it's knit in DK white yarn. So it's a little bit heavier. The Magnolia was a fingering cardigan, and this one is a DK. But I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Always There by Holly Locatelli. What are you stocking, Gail? I am stocking a newer hat by
0: Hunter Hammerson. She's one of my favorite hat designers, it seems, recently. And this new one is called Stochastic. And that means having a random distribution that may not be predicted, so it's assigned pooling. And it has three different brim options, and three different crown options, and the design feature, I would say, is the fact that you just basically do stockinette, and then when you get to a blip of a different color in your yarn, she has a different stitch that you do, and it gives a really cool effect with the planned pooling.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: It's a really a beautiful hat. And she said that we're designed using a specific yarn and it's Mm -hmm. a worsted weight yarn, but she says you could easily use a second color to create the same effect. So you don't need to have a pooling yarn. And also I would think probably yarns like Malabrigo that have a lot of different colors in them, you could probably do the same thing with those and get a very similar, if not the same exact effect. Mm -hmm. So if that had been available when I knit Olivia's Christmas hat, I think I would have used that pattern instead of creating my own, because one, I love Hunter Hammerson's patterns, and two, she gives the really cool three different crown options. So one of them is like a swirl, one of them them is a four-corner decrease, and one of them is More standard line decrease, but in a different color in the contrast color. So they're really cool. A good, a lot of bang for your buck with that one, I would say. So that again is Stochastic by Hunter Hammerson. And the second thing I'm stalking is more like a category. When I was running the other day, a woman was walking on the trail ahead of me and she had this really long, flowy top on. It wasn't a top, it was a cardigan. But it was like down to the back of her calves, I would say. And when she walked, it just billowed all around her. And I thought it looked so cool. Not what I would have worn to go hiking on a dirty trail. But, you know, it's still it was really cool. Sounds interesting. It was really interesting. And hers was a light cotton, probably material. So it was very flowy. But it got me thinking that that would be a really fun sweater to wear. And I have similar sweaters, but I don't have anything quite... That flowy, and it kind of got me to think of your, what was it called? It was a hanafetik design with silver fox Madeline Tosh lace that you ripped. Oh,
1: I think I know which one you mean. The one that had the draping fronts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember the name, but I I do know that was kind of a style for a while. There were a lot of sweaters that had those draping, drooping fronts. And the thing is,
0: I don't want the draping, drooping fronts. I want volume around the bottom. So as Mm. you move, it moves with you and gives you that flowing look. Because goodness knows I'm out in public a lot and would benefit from (laughs) such a sweater. That was very sarcastic. (laughs) Kind of like a swing style? Kind of, sort of. Kind of. Kind of. So my vision is to do this in a Lace weight yarn so that it would be very flowy and light. And so I was looking at different patterns on Ravelry, you know, as you do. And I found some that I thought were really beautiful. And the one that really stuck out the most to me is called Hazel Dean. And it's by Zawe Design. And it's a top down with a beautiful texture pattern. It looks like it's probably cables, very small cables. They're not big bouncy cables. They're very fine cables throughout the whole sweater and it's top down positive ease and it has really nice fronts that are, it looks like it's pretty, I'm pretty sure it's a shawl collar. They don't have keywords about shawl collar and it doesn't actually say that. It just says knit from the top down starting from the collar. And this particular design uses Fiber Company Meadow, which you mentioned on the last episode light fingering weight that has the kitchen sink combination yes, of different the fibers. fibers yes. mm-hmm. So very light and drapey. And this particular sweater, most of the people who have knit it, knit it to about back of the knee length. And there are only 11 projects, unfortunately, but it's really a pretty sweater. And there were several others of the same style that I also liked a lot. Some were just plain stockinette. Some had different lace patterns or cable patterns. One had a beautiful lace pattern throughout the whole design. I think it was by Airy, And it was just fun to stalk a category like that with a vision in mind that I was trying to match up. And I don't know if I'll ever knit such a thing, but my long summer cardigan is kind of the same idea, but it's not flowy. It doesn't have the amount of fabric that I had envisioned. So that's something that's just brewing in the back of my head
1: who knows if yeah. I'll do anything with the idea or not so I did go back through my projects and I looked it up and it looks like I did one called breezy yes and then under a different one called the feather wake feather weight tunic it was breezy that's okay. the one I'm thinking of
0: so yeah I think it would be a very pretty thing to wear When out and about, at home, it would be kind of like a bathrobe, but out and about, it would be more, much more of a fashion statement because it's a, I don't want to say a big garment, but it's a lot of fabric. It's a lot of statement is the best way I can phrase that. So again, that was called Hazeldeen by Zhao Wei
1: Designs. So what have you been knitting? Well, I've been knitting gift hats. I picked up hats again. Remember, I thought I was going to be done with hats for a while. And yet, here we go. Hats. (laughs) I've knit an awful lot of hats in the last couple of months. But there you have it. One of the things I've noticed about myself is just when I am distracted or troubled or anything is not the norm. I knit a lot of hats. So... (laughs) because they're instant gratification you don't usually have to think very much yeah exactly it's fun to knit hats and I think it's just one of those probably one of those grief things for me that instead of sitting, staring, doing nothing I pick up hats so i in my hand right now I have one and I've also picked up my sweater again which made me very happy because I feel like it's been a while since I've finished a big project, so I am working on my Ebbets cardigan pattern by Elizabeth Doherty, and this one is a cardigan with an all-over cabley pattern. The collar has—I think I called it a garter rib because i can't remember what it's called in the pattern and that's a pretty good description because it's a a rib that's created with of course knits and pearls but it also lays flat kind of like a garter stitch does and so that kind of differentiates the body from the collar that goes around the front it's a longer cardigan. I even made mine probably a little bit longer than is called for in the pattern. It's not quite tunic length, but it's definitely booty coverage length. (laughs) (laughs) And I have knit the body. I have to pick up and start the sleeves. And two sleeves left. And I am knitting that in a very, very dark purple that's almost a blue-black. It's so dark. It's really pretty. Very, very rich, tonal-looking. I'm I'm quite happy with that color. What yarn is it again? I don't remember. It is the Woolmise DK. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Had, it, had to pull that out of the vault. Had to pause and think <laughs> about that because I could not remember. It's like, oh, I could see. Because I, I look at the label for that, and it's got another name i can't remember the first name that starts with r and every time i look at the label i see that but everybody always calls it by the second name which is yeah. wool mice so
0: it's like a roar satch or i don't yes, remember. yes something but I think like it's something that. to
1: do with birds
0: oh okay i'm pretty sure it is i've read their website and the description about it before oh okay yeah, they name a lot of their yarns after birds and they call, I think it's a husband wife pair and they call each other a certain kind of bird. I can't remember what it is Oh, now.
1: interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I love the yarn. It's very round and plump and smooth and I, it's turning out beautifully. So yay! I'm, I just need to do sleeves. Famous last words. <laughs> you got to get working on that while it's still cold. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. So what are you knitting, Gail?
0: I am still working on Josie's memory blanket. I just finished the third row. And she is now helping me pick out the colors for every row, so that's really fun too. And I also picked up another sweater. So my lounger by Hohi Locatelli was lounging and <laughs> wasn't getting knit on. <laughs> I got distracted by other fun projects. So I picked that back up, and since picking it back up I've ripped back about eight to 10 inches two times, (laughs) not just once, but two times. (laughs) The sweater is designed not to meet in the fronts, really. It doesn't, it kind of meets, but it doesn't overlap. And I prefer my sweaters to overlap in the front. So my intention was to add increases to make it crossover or overlap in the front. But my first attempt, I didn't do enough of them so when I tried it on, I thought, "Eh, this isn't what I'm going for." So I I ripped it back probably about 8 inches from where I was back to the sleeve separation basically. And then I did the same thing again and still didn't put in enough increases. I underestimate the amount of extra fabric needed from my bust to my hips because mm. my hips and booty are a lot bigger than the top of my body. So this is my third attempt. I did a lot more increases this time, and I'm about almost eight inches down from the sleeve separation again. So I'm planning to try it on very soon so that I can see I have a short waist so it doesn't take that much knitting before I need to try it on to see how the sizing is going. So that's the modification I'm doing to the sweater is adding a lot of increases. The pattern itself, you do a couple of decreases after you separate from for the sleeves and then you do a few increases after that. But Basically you're keeping almost the same number of stitches from when you separate for the sleeves and then the bottom of the sweater, so that's what I'm modifying and the yarn I'm using is Woolmize again, mine is lace garn and I'm holding that doubled with a mohair silk from hazel knits and it's a beautiful combination. it's so pretty I can't wait to wear it. It will be somewhat like the effect of duster lace weight sweater I was talking about wanting to knit, but not quite the same. And this one, I'm going to go pretty long with it because the Woolmise Lace Garn skeins are about 1700 yards. So it's a lot of yarn and I have a lot of the Kid Mohair silk as well. So I'm going to go for it. I'm going to knit quite a, a sizable body of a sweater. And probably before I finish, I'll knit the sleeves and stuff to make sure that I don't run out of yarn. But yeah. I am I still have a lot of yarn, so I'm really not concerned I'm <laughs> yeah. going to run out. Yeah. So that's The Lounger by Hohi Locatelli. And I've also picked back up my Ziggy Interrupted, which is the crocheted scarf designed by Sandra Paul. And I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you begin this project with the little motifs. so. There are 83 little motifs in this scarf, and those are the square ones. And then there are another, like, I want to say 45 half motifs. And then you seam those into five panels, and then you crochet stripes to connect the panels into a long scarf or wrap. And I am working on the motifs, and it takes me a little while to get my crochet skills back when I pick (laughs) it up. And I, I'm i in a groove right now where I can hammer out one of the motifs pretty quickly because nice. they're very small. They're two colors, very small. And I'd say I have about 30 of the 83 finished, so wow. I have a long way to go before I'm done with the motifs, which then have to be seamed before I can start the stripes.
1: That's funny. You say you have a long way to go. And I say, wow, you've done a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's not even halfway there, though. It's only about a third. That's a lot. (laughs) It is a lot, but there are a lot more to go. But it's really a fun project because there are five different colors. Fingering weight is what the pattern states. And I'm using fingering weight and some Tosh Prairie, which is a lace weight, and I'm using the prairie held doubled. So I think three of my skeins are fingering weight and two are prairie that I'm holding doubled. And the combinations are beautiful. So in those 83 motifs, you have all the different color combinations with one color on the inner part of the motif and another color on the outer part. So it's just so pretty. Josie was wandering by last night as I was working on it. She said, oh, that's pretty. What is nice. that? So I got to show her all the pretty yarns and it's fun so far. It's going to take a while. But I think also, like I said, with crochet, once you get your, your groove on with crochet, I can crank out things pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So if I don't get bored with the tedium of doing little motifs... Then I'll be good to go. But the other thing is my hands have been getting sore lately. So I'm oh, trying to yeah. mix up my crafts and I'm trying not to sit and knit for too long of a stretch at a time. I'm trying really hard to get up and move, especially and when I'm working, not sit at my desk desk for too long. And that's kind of a challenge because I got used to <laughs> kind of sitting on my butt for a long period of time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so yeah I, I'm breaking that habit. I can sympathize. When I had my weird arm pains from sitting and knitting too long, definitely recognize that feeling. So moving around, exercise is good. Have you found that either knitting or crocheting causes more of the hand pain? I'm still trying to diagnose
0: which causes the most pain. Mm -hmm. I haven't been crocheting very much, so I don't think that's the cause. But I think when I'm crocheting, I can feel my left thumb more. I tension yarn with my left hand Mm -hmm. and I hold the needle or the crochet hook with my right. And there's something about the way I'm tensioning. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel it when I'm knitting, only when I'm crocheting. That seems to irritate my thumb, but we'll see. One thing I just remembered that I wanted to mention, I use an app called Down Dog, which is a yoga plus application. So they have Yoga, they have bar, they have ca- some form of cardio, and then they have another, like four categories of different things. And I just heard yesterday, Mike told me he got an email. If you're a student, you can get down dog free for life, which is pretty cool. As a student, I think Josie was paying $22 a year, and you can customize the classes to whatever length, style, and difficulty you want and different voices you can choose and things like that different music options and for 22 bucks a year she was using it a lot and I got the app for myself and Mike as well and I really enjoy it but if you're a student check it out free for life pretty good deal
1: cool yeah
0: all right so that's what I'm knitting and the little down dog plug
1: (laughs) we would like to thank this month's sponsor Kim Dyes Yarn Kim Dyes Yarn is a one-woman Indie Dyer Business selling hand-dyed yarn and fibers since 2010. Kim is a lifelong knitter, a hand spinner, a newer crocheter, and a newbie weaver. This love of so many different fiber arts influences the many high-quality yarn and fiber bases Kim selects for her shop. Kim Dyes Yarn offers a monthly exclusive colorway, for order on a variety of yarn options, a monthly succession yarn club based on the television show, and a local yarn store club, which is available exclusively through participating local yarn stores. To keep up with Kim's dyeing and shop updates, you may follow her on Instagram or sign up for the email newsletter.
0: Thank you, Kim. I've still been Browsing her website, I haven't decided what I'm going to splurge on yet <laughs> because she has the 15% discount 15%,
1: for it. 15%, yes. So, Yarniax podcast listeners may use Yarniax 15 for 15% off their online orders at kimdyesyarn.com for the month of February. So, there are still a few days left that you can get that deal. I myself need to go shop because I do love her mad dying skills. I have said that before. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you, Kim. All right. What have you finished? Well, we talked about hats. I have finished two hats and I wanted to mention both of these because I used two new to me yarns that were sent to us from eat sleep knit so i wanted to mention both of these yarns from eat sleep knit because during the pandemic gail and i have not been able to go out to local yarn stores have not been going to yarn events so we haven't been able to try a lot of new things. And Eat Sleep Knit has kindly allowed us to try some new things that they have in their online shop. And one of those yarns is Washeded from Malabrigo, which is a superwash version of their classic worsted Merino base. So if you've ever used the Malabrigo Worsted base that has been around for a very long time. That's their traditional single-ply worsted yarn. The washed is a superwash version. And being superwash, it, of course, takes the dye a little bit differently, a lot brighter, clearer, and there's the color that I have in my hand is called... It's Wales Road, and Wales Road is a combination of blues and purples. There's some navy blue in there, and it goes, oh, there's some light, bright blue, all the way to dark purples. Very, very lovely. I'm holding it up for Gail. It's (laughs) gorgeous. And it has 210 yards, so I made one hat from it already. And I'm starting on a second. I won't have enough to finish a second, but I'm going to use what I have left for the ribbing and then a second yarn for the body of the hat. So a fair a good size skein. This yarn is knit at a on a US 7 to 9 or a 4.5 to 5.5 millimeter needle. And again, it's machine washable. They recommend gentle cycle. Dry flat and Malabrigo yarns are often, I think, commonly known. People often say that, oh, Malabrigo yarns are the soft yarns, their wools really are to the touch, very, very soft. I was working in the shop last week, and somebody who had not knit for a long time came into the shop and wanted to know the difference for example, between Cascade 220 and the Molabrigo Rios. And I just pulled them off the shelf and I was explaining to her about the different wool types and she took them both from me and immediately said, oh yeah, I can feel the difference. So right off the bat, Molabrigos, that's what they're known for. You can feel the difference.
0: I remember because that's the first sweater quantity I ever bought was at the Golden Fleece. It was oh, Malabrigo Continental Blue.
1: Yeah, it was the worsted too. So usually I wouldn't use a single ply. Usual, well, usually a single ply wouldn't be my first choice for a hat. But this one knits up so nicely. It It's gorgeous. It doesn't bother me at all. I, it's It's quite, quite lovely. And I'm just knitting it in a basic ribbing, nothing fancy. Super, super nice. So I would definitely try using this on other things. I think it would make lovely cowls. I think it would probably make a really nice sweater as well. Mm-hmm. I love single ply yarns, so I would make, I would try a sweater with it. And the Malabrigo colors are so clear, and bright, and the solids, solids I say in quotes because their solids are never solid solid. They're usually tonal, which is the way I like my solids. (laughs) So I'm usually very happy with their yarns. The second one that I tried is a Juniper Moon Farm yarn called Moonshine. And this one is different. It's a baby alpaca, wool, and silk blend. So it is also very soft. It's a 40-40-20 blend. So you've got 40 alpaca, 40 wool with 20 silk. And it's very smooth. The yarn itself is not quite as tonal as the Malabrigo yarn. For example, if you look at the whole skein, but what you have going on with the moonshine is the different fibers taking the dye a little bit differently. So it's not tonal in the same way that the Malabrigo is, but there is some depth of color to the moonshine because it just takes the dye a little bit differently. This one is, I believe they call this one a DK weight yarn. It's 197 yards Two the skein and i think the skein do they i'm not sure if they give the weight oh 100 grams yeah so 100 grams 197 yards so it's a little bit less and just looking at it it looks a little bit thinner but the needle size recommended is basic is exactly the same actually us seven to nine or the 4.5 to 5.5 millimeters. And I've been using, for both yarns, I've been using a US 6 for the ribbing and then a US 8 for the body of the hat. And it's worked out great on both of them. And this one, also very soft. I think that that combination of the alpaca and the silk Mm-hmm. Gives it a lot of softness. every once in a while there's a little tuft of something which I I'm guessing is the silk and is a little bit lighter so it doesn't take the dye the same. and you can kind of see the twist. It's also a single ply yarn like the wash did. So good comparison. and like I said, I knit a hat with each skein, and I have partials of each skein, and I'm going to use them together to knit a third hat. Nice. Bo- the bonus hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm very happy I would use both again. I quite like both yarns very much. So that is Washed by Malabrigo and Moonshine by Juniper Moon Farm two things that I have finished. What have you finished, Gail? I also finished a
0: hat and also used yarn that was sent to us by Eat Sleep Knit. So this is a hat that I stocked on the last episode. It's called the Fern Hill Hat, and it's from the Year of Bulky Hats. It's the free year collection that they're doing this year from Kelbourne Woolens, and this was designed by Kate Gagnon Osborne. And The hat is really cool. It's a bulky weight, as the name implies Your bulky weight hats. And there's a brim. And then you go into textured, basically stripes all the way up the hat. Very simple. It was very fun to knit. Never got real boring. And it knit up so quickly because bulky yarn and big needles. (laughs) So the yarn was a delight. It's called cardo. And it's from Manos del Uruguay. And this is a 100% Coriadale yarn. And it is so squishy and springy. It is so nice to knit with. Super just like you could squish it in your fingers because it's bulky. So you can really get that, you know, grab to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like trying to grab fingering. It's grabbing bulky yeah. yarn. And it looked beautiful in this hat. Very pleased with it. And the yarn itself is 109 yards per skein. This one is knit, they recommend a needle size 10 and a half. And as a bulky weight yarn, it, like I said, knits up really quickly. This one does, it is plied. It's not a single ply. And the description says, Cardo is a fundamental yarn. Its smooth texture, traditional spin, and resilient hand all hark back to beloved heirloom projects. Cardo gives pristine definition to worm knits that work up in a hurry. And I would agree with that description. So that one is Cardo by Manos del Uruguay. Thank you very much, Eat Sleep Knit. And I'm right now I'm hand winding the fourth yarn that was in that box. And this one is the farmer's daughter, Juicy DK. And all four of them were in purples. So (laughs) gotta love that, right, Charlene?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So Gail and I wanted to talk a little bit about unpacking patterns, basically, and common pattern notation, how to read a pattern. We've visited this topic before, but it's one that we always get questions about. People always, again and again, every so often will ask us to talk about patterns and because there's always things that we haven't talked about in a previous discussion. And every time, every time we bring it up, something different comes up. So it, it's worth revisiting, because there's always more to talk about with pattern notation, especially.
0: And I wanted to add, too, that anyone with specific questions about a specific pattern The Ravelry group is a great place to ask those questions because we get into lots of conversations about specific patterns or specific pattern features, like someone wants to do a specific type of garment, what's the best way with the specific yarn, lots of people with a lot of knitting knowledge on the threads in Ravelry. So if you use Ravelry, it's a really good resource for questions like this, like these. And it's interesting, as I'm listening to Charlene introduce this, this feature, we always go about things in our own unique ways. So Charlene's probably going to teach you a lot about the technical reading <laughs> of patterns. And my version of unpacking is more about how I pick a pattern. So this will be an interesting oh, that's discussion. That's
1: true. That's true. Because the first thing on my list is common pattern notation. For example... Does If you're looking at a pattern, things to look for include an abbreviation key, for example. Often patterns will say, for example, K15, P15, which is knit 15, purl 13. Sometimes patterns will write the whole word and say knit 15, purl 15, but some things can't be taken for granted and there really is no standardized way of writing patterns. So usually designers will have a standardized style that they themselves always follow. But especially if you're new to patterns, one of the first things you should look for is that abbreviation key that says, for example, what does the K stand for? Or what does the P stand for? If you'll recall, Gail, that kind of bit me in the butt a couple patterns ago. I can't remember what I was knitting, but I did not look at the abbreviation key for the specific pattern. And I got to a spot in the pattern that said, I think it said M1, which for me is common notation to make one. And so I kept knitting this section over and I was industriously making one and I'd get to the end of that section and my stitch count was always off and I could not figure out what was going on and I put the pattern aside. And the next time I picked it up, I realized that this designer used M1 to indicate Marker 1. So I was supposed to knit a certain number, place marker 1, and then continue on my merry way. There was not supposed to be an increase on that line, which, once I knew what M1 was supposed to mean in this particular pattern, made total sense. It's still frustrating when something like M1, which is really often used to make one is used in a different way, but I should have read the abbreviation key, of course.
0: (laughs) That was your sweater with the lace mohair inserts. Oh, okay. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, I can see it in my head. I can't remember the name of it either.
0: Something about birds or feathers or something like that. Yeah,
1: leaf leaf bird okay there you go i was gonna say bird leaf leaf bird okay and so yes you always want to find that abbreviation key because someone like me still got me because i did not look for that key especially if you're following a chart you're going to want to look for a symbols key for the chart I remember a pattern that I used long, long ago from Nitty that did not have a symbol key for the chart. What? Yeah. <laughs> and it was one of those patterns that apparently I was the first person to ever have made it because they didn't know it didn't have one. And Oh, no. The designer told me what it was supposed to be. And I remember years later, I looked and they they had never put up the chart. So That's awful. <laughs> but I guess if nobody makes the pattern, then nobody else ever said anything. So who knows? But you always want to look for that symbols key and, and the abbreviation key. So those are the first two things that I could think of that I always want to double check on a pattern. Well, especially
0: that symbol key for charts, because talk about not having a universal way to have a symbol. Yes. Knit and purl are usually pretty obvious, but sometimes other things like the types of decreases or increases are not intuitive. And also, if you're like me and you're doing a color work chart, if the colors in the chart are like black and white, which is pretty typical and my yarns are the reverse of that, so my my light color is represented by the dark color in the chart and vice versa, I will often confuse the stitches because I look at my yarn and think light on the pattern means light yarn. So that's another gotcha for me, not related to the pattern itself, but just something to be aware of when you're reading charts.
1: Yeah. And then when you're reading through a pattern, doing your hopefully initial pass through of the pattern that you do before you cast on you want to read through make sure you understand all of the different techniques used in the pattern or at least know where to look to find the information about that technique like gail mentioned increases and decreases i always look for things phrases like at the same time
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) talk about getting burned yeah
1: (laughs) Or any other instructions that must be remembered while you are doing something else. Those are the important ones because, because again, there aren't standardized ways of writing these things up. So sometimes a designer will write out every row and it'll say, while you're doing this, you need to do this for that row. Next pattern might not be the same. They might say at the beginning of a section, for example, increase one stitch at sweater edge every 12 rows. Mm -hmm. And then you're supposed to remember that while you're doing the following instructions, perhaps for the entire body. And you need to keep doing that. So those are the kind of things you need to look for very, very specifically.
0: And you mentioned the before you start your project, reading through the pattern. I want to emphasize that one more time because I don't know that a lot of people know that that's a good habit to get into. So one, you're looking for all the things that Charlene just mentioned. You're making sure that you know anything happening simultaneously. So you don't get to the end of a section and realize that you forgot to do a very important part of the increases, for
1: example. Mm-hmm.
0: But also, if you go through a pattern before you start and highlight Your sizes. So if it's a sweater, for example, it will have usually a number of stitches to cast on for the first size, and then in parentheses next to that, subsequent cast on numbers for the different sizes of the sweater. If you go through before you start and highlight or circle or do something to accentuate those numbers, it makes going through the pattern a lot easier. I sometimes will forget what size I'm knitting in the middle of a project and then not know which of those numbers I'm supposed to be following for increases or measurements or something. So that's another good habit. So before you're going to start a project, read through that pattern, make any notations on it you want. Sometimes if you print patterns, if there are a lot of charts, sometimes it's nice to actually literally cut and paste those onto a separate piece of paper so that you don't have to be flipping through the pattern to reference different charts at different times. There are lots of things you can do ahead of starting a project that will make your project much more enjoyable to knit.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention that whole cut and paste issue too because somebody had asked a question very similar to this in our Ravelry group about how they would how they should handle flipping back and forth in the pattern and lots of great ideas and a couple people had mentioned apps that will do that there are apps for pdf files there there are apps specifically for knitting patterns and there's good old cut and paste physical cut and paste of the paper which to which for me is usually my preference because i still prefer to have a sheet of paper over reading a pattern electronically i don't know why i just do do (laughs) yeah
0: well for me i can keep track of my rows and things i will use a pen and i will keep track of yeah my rows or whatever it is so that i don't get lost and in a digital version it's not as easy for me because i don't have one of those
1: apps yeah i just i just don't like having to run my battery down all the time as much as i tend to glance at my pattern so good point yeah i don't know that's just that's just me and you, apparently. We're so, old school. <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> and I don't print
0: things very often. I think the only thing I print besides shipping labels are pattern pages. And usually I don't print the whole pattern. I'll only print the pages that have the information right, that I need.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And like Gail, I will highlight things. I will highlight my size. I will highlight areas that have that phrase at the same time. I will often, what else do I do? Oh, if the pattern has a chart, a lot of times I will color code my charts. For example, all of the right-leaning increases will get highlighted in one specific color and all of the left will get highlighted in a different color. And then I'll even go a step further and highlight what that is on the key in the same color. So I see I get to pink, I just look here, and I know that it's a right-leaning increase, for example. Sometimes I have cut charts to put them together. It's especially helpful if, say, you have a 12-row repeat chart that's supposed to be repeated multiple times, and, for example, you have to do the section next to it. Maybe the section next to it is a 4 stitch or a four row chart so they're different areas so example so for example if you're keeping track of one to 12 on this one it's only one to four so you have to repeat so a lot of times i'll put, cut them out and put them next to each other post it so removable tape is also helpful to place on a pattern you can move that as you go row by row There are pattern magnet boards that you can use to keep track of your location on a pattern or your row on a chart.
0: One of the cable heavy sweaters that I knit was Citadel by Hohi Locatelli. And I literally took the chart, put it into an Excel file, could do any kind of spreadsheet document. And because it had so many different stitch patterns, I did row by row by row for the maximum, the longest one was probably a 16 row repeat. And I did that oh. for for my ease because I knew I would get lost if I didn't do it that way. I'm not very good with visuals like that. So I can't just glance at a pattern and remember, oh yeah, that's the, the knit pattern that I'm doing for this repeat. Especially if there are a lot of repeats happening in the same project. So that's an extreme measure that some of us take besides just
1: cut and paste. Yeah, because you can create row by row, each row unique. You could put the instructions in Excel. Huh, I never thought about doing that. That's a really good idea.
0: It was time consuming. And you have to be really careful about the return rows because they reverse. Mm. So in my first attempt, I had every return row backwards, but I figured it out. So just an idea. Yeah
1: and definitely useful if you have like you said a garment or a pattern that has a lot of different cable patterns mm-hmm. or different stitch patterns anything like that yep. yeah interesting and then charts charts for knitting can be written for in the round or back and forth make no make sure you know Which one you're doing, because if charts that are written in the round are always going to be read in the same direction, charts that go back and forth, you're going to be following, you're going to be going right to left, and then left to right.
0: Which Citadel was a cardigan, so I had, I was used to in the round charts, so I just did every row the same, and for a cardigan, you have to reverse that, the return row, so that's what happened with
1: mine. Yeah, break up the pattern into manageable sections. Like, for example, some patterns will have the sections for the different areas of the body called out. Some won't, but it might be helpful for you to, for example, if you're knitting the hem and then break that up so that when you finish the hem, you know you're going into the hip increases or decreases, depending if the sweater pieces are knit top down or bottom up you increase or decrease waist shaping. You can divide those areas into sections. It also gives you a feeling of accomplishment when you hit that section and you know you've finished a section and then you start your row counter over at one because you know you're moving on to a new section. (laughs) And speaking of keeping track of things like that, take notes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you're doing sleeves, most of us do one sleeve, then another. Some people do two sleeves at a time. I haven't tried that yet. But for example, if you're not knitting just a tube, if you're actually doing shaping in that sleeve, keep track of where you do the increases or decreases, depending on which direction you're knitting, so that you can replicate it on the second sleeve. (laughs) It's not always as easy to look at your knitting when it's finished and replicate it than it is if you just took notes on it in the first place. Yeah. So you can either take written notes or a lot of people also use removable stitch markers. So every time you do an increase or a decrease, you put a removable stitch marker on that stitch and then you can easily see where they are. And that works for sleeves. It works for the body. It works for everything. It's just a good habit to get into. I've been working on that habit and it's made my life so much easier.
1: Yeah, especially because a lot of times none of us really plan that we're going to put down a project, but we all have had that experience of putting down a project and then coming back to it, perhaps weeks, perhaps months, perhaps years later,
0: you Mm -hmm. pick up the
1: project and trying to figure out where you were. So if you write these little things down. It makes it easier. It's much easier. It's always hard to do that. And it's easy to recommend that you do that. But
0: (laughs) that's why I said just now, after how many years have I been knitting, just now I'm really training myself to put those removable stitch markers on my increases and decreases. Because with the lounger, I've ripped it back twice now. Yeah. And I needed to keep better track of where my increases were. I wasn't just going to guess anymore. Right. So I now have little stitch markers all down the side where my increases are happening. And it's making my life so much easier. Maybe I wouldn't have had to rip it out a second time (laughs) if I'd done that in the first place. Well, you know, the
1: last couple of projects I have worked on with, well, the last couple of sweater projects I've worked on, I keep telling myself, remember to do that because I want to do that so that I have that visual marker there and I keep forgetting to do it. And I'm about to start the sleeves on my Ebbett So I'm going to try to remember to do, use that technique on this sweater. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: you know where those things are. Sorry about the dogs. I'm even inside my closet and you could probably still hear the dogs. But anyway, (laughs) another thing besides just looking at the pattern is looking at the notes of people's Ravelry projects about the pattern because not all patterns are created equal. Not all of them get tech edited. Not all of them get test knit. And sometimes there are patterns out there that are really frustrating. So it helps to look at the notes if there are any in Ravelry and to look at the designer's other work as well.
1: Yeah. So one thing I would recommend when you are looking at a pattern page on Ravelry. You'll see the number of projects, which is how many projects have been registered on Ravelry. So you look at the projects, you see all the projects there, and then click on the advanced button, which is the little magnifying glass. And you want to sort by most helpful, which is a teeny weeny... I think it's a, a flotation device. <laughs> like a life preserver. <laughs> life yeah. preserver, yeah. The, but the icons are so tiny, it's, it's really hard to tell what they are. But if you sort by most helpful, what it's going to do is show you the projects that other knitters have marked as helpful. So in this case, I'm looking, the first one has 44 helpful Markings on one project, and then the other ones following it have subsequently, each one has fewer and fewer. But you can go through and look at the notes of that project and other projects that have been marked as helpful, and you'll find out there if there's any major pattern errors or if folks have had problems. With the pattern, that kind of thing. It's it's a great resource.
0: Yeah, and those most helpful numbers are because other ravelers, ravelry users, have looked at that pattern, read the notes, and marked it as helpful. Yes. So that's really other knitters giving the feedback exactly. that yes, these notes are very helpful. Exactly.
1: So it's always good to to look at that.
0: And that's another habit that I've gotten into more and more thanks to you, Charlene, <laughs> is. You know, I like to look at the pretty pictures of finished projects on Ravelry, but I don't always take advantage of all the knowledge that's been shared on Ravelry. So thanks to that tip from you, I do that all the time now before I start a project. I'm growing up, I'm becoming more (laughs) responsible and less impetuous and impatient. And speaking of researching finished projects, so looking at Ravelry in general, not just for those most helpful tips, but also for pictures of the fit. Because I don't remember what the recent pattern was that I really liked. And I sent it to you, Robbie and Anne, and said, I like this, but I'm not sure about the fit. And one of you said, it looks like someone used a clothes pin in the back to keep the shape. So that's something that I didn't really know some designers, and I think it's mostly books, but I could be wrong. They will alter, not alter, they will adjust the fitting of things during the photo shoot to make them look a certain way. Hmm. So looking at the finished projects on Ravelry can give you a much better idea of what they look like on different body types, especially considering often the model will be a certain body type that isn't the same as yours, whether that's, you know, positive, negative is irrelevant. It's just different. So going and looking can really make the deciding factor of whether you want to knit it or not, as opposed to seeing that modeled picture on Ravelry and thinking, I love that sweater. I must (laughs) knit it immediately. But if you had looked at some of the other finished objects or read some of the notes, you might've realized, I don't want to get involved with that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I
0: agree. Yeah, And then there was one other comment I was good. Oh, schematics, making sure Mm -hmm. that if it's a garment that you're going to wear, having a schematic in the pattern is also very helpful. Yeah,
1: I love a good schematic.
0: <laughs> and often now I've I've found that more recently designers are putting a picture of the schematic in the pattern pictures on their pattern page. So you don't have to buy the pattern to find out if there's one there or not. And you don't have to buy the pattern to see how the sizing
1: works. I love that practice. Yeah, I love that.
0: Okay. Yeah, so next time we can talk about yarn choices and how we pick patterns and we're going to maybe compare some sweaters that we've both knit and how we modified them for our own personal preferences. Sounds good. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the self-indulgent knit-along still going. We have until March 20-something. I'm not going to say a date because I always get it wrong, but we still have about a month left to go. So I don't know if I'll finish either one of my self-indulgent projects that I started, the lounger and Zig inter- Interrupted. I don't think I'll have them finished, but I'm enjoying knitting them, yeah. so it's self-indulgent. Yeah,
1: it's totally fine, because that's the purpose, just to enjoy and have a good time with your knitting. Exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Happy knitting, and we'll talk to you next time. Happy knitting, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find our podcast on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarnyaxe.com. Com. We have a friendly and engaging Yarniacs podcast Ravelry group. My Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gaily Whaley.